Jonathan Federa has been in business financing for 14 years and has helped thousands of entrepreneurs get over 500 million in funds. He founded Integrated Business Financing, a small business lending marketplace specializing in getting businesses into the best financing programs they qualify for. So very relevant to what we talk about here on this show. This is Michelle McKenzie, and welcome to the WTF Podcast, where we demystify entrepreneurship and the fog around funding. My next guest is the president of Integrated Business Financing and the host of the Create Success Out of Failure podcast. So it's nice to have another podcaster on the show. In this episode, we will discuss how to get the best financing possible without stepping foot in a bank, how to cut payment processing costs by 95%, how to get set how to set up your business for long-term success, friends, family financing, and understanding the most common mistakes entrepreneurs make and how to avoid them. Jonathan, welcome to the WTF Podcast. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm super excited about this. Wonderful. Glad that you're here. A lot of the stuff that you talk about are things that are relevant to the people who listen to this podcast. So first thing first, what are the first steps in starting a successful small business? So we know financing is important because you really can't get that far without access to capital. So walk us from the beginning. What are the first steps? That's awesome. Basically, a lot of people make a couple of mistakes up front. And if you can eliminate those mistakes, you can have a lot easier challenge to grow and scale. First off, you want to start off as strong as possible. And what that means is have your credit up and have a business plan ready. Like who's your ideal client? How are you targeting, targeting them? How are you going to be structured? Right? So the first thing is, if you're going to start a business, open up your LLC. You want to do all the setup and all the prep before you actually start the business. And here's why I say that. If you have a job, right, and you have decent credit, so 660 credit, making at least $50,000 a year, what you can do then is you can go out and get term loans. It's a personal loan that goes off of your credit and your approval income. You can use that to fund the business. Next, when you're opening your LLC, you want to make sure that you're setting up your business credit right away. Well, how do you do that? Go over the five fundability factors. First, you want a business email. So important. You can't have Jonathan funds businesses at Gmail. That doesn't fly. You want to go pay the 10 bucks a month. And it should be Jonathan at integratedbusinessfinancing.com. So get your email. Why is that so important, Jonathan? It's an question. Well, because it shows a little bit more stability. And after we go through all five, having all five set up allows you to start building business credit. Whereas there's certain indicators that banks look for, the SBA look for. And they're basically these five fundability factors we're going over. So if one's off, it kind of raises alarms and bells. And most people, I can't tell you how many people apply and they still have a Yahoo or a Gmail address instead of having a professional business email. You know, so that's step one is, you know, you want to get your EIN number. You want to get your business bank account. That's the other one. Make sure you have a business bank account open. You don't want to use like a personal checking. <clears throat> Next, you want a business phone number. 
that business phone number shouldn't be a Google voice number because that number is still registered to Google and not to the business. So there's a lot of places you can go just get a quick and easy business phone number. Okay, You could get one at Verizon, Spectrum, AT&T. You can get one at Call 8. You know, pick up like a business line for very, very cheap. Just call them up and say, I would like to add a business line. And you could get a business account from them. These are just the basics of just starting the business, not even, you know, all the metrics that they're looking at, because this doesn't weigh in completely on that. But this does; these things do make a difference when you're starting to build your business credit. And the reason you want to build your business credit is so you can separate your business and personal credit as much as possible. And then when you go apply for an SBA loan or you go for equipment financing, you're going to be able to get one better terms and two, more importantly, make sure you get, actually get approved. So you get the business phone number, the business email, the business bank account. All right. Now you want a business address. Here's where a lot of people mess up. They, If you're home-based, there's nothing wrong with that. Put your home address. If you have an office, put the office address. What you don't want to do is use a P.O. box. A P.O. box is a big red flag, and most, deal, most, most defaults and most fraud happens because when they attach a PO box, like when banks review that, they see a PO box, they get a, they take a step back. So have all that. And the last step, okay, so you have four things. The last step is real simple. Even if it's a one-page website, you could do it at phonesites.com, make it yourself, get your web pipe up, and have your phone number, your business address, and your email go on that web page. And then anywhere you advertise or anywhere you list online, everything has to match because they do a scrape. And once you do that, then you can go to Dun and Bradstreet and get your Duns number. And then what you want to do, and they're going to try to sell you a package for like 5000 or maybe 300 a month to build your business credit. I'm telling you, there's cheaper ways. Like we offer it for half of that. However, what you do at this point is you want to start applying for certain business trade lines. Jonathan, um, let's stop for a second before we get into business trade lines and talk about what a DUNS number is for people who might not be familiar. Thank you. I go a little fast. A DUNS number is kind of like your social security number, but for your business, right? So a DUNS number is going to be your first step in building business credit and Anyone that looks up your DUNS number, it will give them a, a rating. Just like your credit goes from 350 to 850, it, it's going to go, it's typically, they're going to give you a score and that's going to be your business credit. And also, if you have any interest in applying to do any business with the government, having a DUNS number is essential. You can't get anywhere without that. And usually you can't get anywhere unless it's a high score. You will not get big jobs or big contracts from the government without having very short business credit. All right. So get your good DUNS number and then yep. trade lines. And trade lines. So Uline is one. You could do Staples, Best Buy, Home Depot. You know, And when you apply, you just want to make sure you have your EIN and the DUNS on there and not your personal social security number. And then you can start building credit. The challenges with building business credit only 7% of companies actually report. So you want to be careful of which companies you use and you then you have your business established, right? So you have the DUNS number, you have the 
entity set up, and now you're ready to actually start. And hopefully you, you were well-funded and your personal credit is still strong, right? And so that's just the best way to start a business is doing it that way and getting funding before because it's very, very tough to get funding or financing until you're at least a year in business. And then when you do get to that point, I want everyone to understand what a bank is going to look at. This is super important because if you know what they're going to look at, you know what you have to work on in order to put yourself in the best position to get financing. So this does not apply to every program. This is very generalized, but if you can hone in on these metrics and look at them monthly to see where the business is at and try to improve them, you will be in really good shape. So first off, they're going to look at credit, both business and personal. That's why I'm saying keep your credit strong. Make sure you're working with and establishing good business credit. You can use something as simple as Credit Karma, which is free, to monitor your credit. Credit Karma is not accurate, but it can detect big changes in your credit. All right, so have a credit monitoring service. Next, they're going to look at time and business. This is one that there's nothing that you can do to positively impact it, but there are things that you can do to negatively impact it. Let me give you an example. If you're in business three years, great. You're going to qualify for most programs. What you don't want to do is you don't want to restart a company and get a new EIN number or operate like you're a sole proprietor, right? And you don't keep receipts, you don't keep proof. And then three years down the line, have a legal entity, okay? You don't want to do anything that's going to, quote unquote, restart your time in business, okay? And if you have to, Make sure you have proof that the business has been established from day one, whenever you start. Next, cash flow. I, I can't tell you how important it is to have strong cash flow. If you're going for an SBA, if you're going for equipment financing, a line of credit, or a working capital line, you want to have strong cash flow. What is strong cash flow? Well, the first thing they look at is how much is deposited into the bank. What that means is you don't if you are trying to grow, you are trying to or you're trying to set up a business for exit, meaning to sell, or you're trying to get lending, you taking cash and not putting it into the business bank account is hurting your business. And a lot of new entrepreneurs make this mistake. If the cash goes in the account, you can get credit for it. Next, they're going to look at the number of deposits. Why do they look at the number of deposits? Well, the more deposits you have, the more clients you have, the less risky you are to lend to. But if you're a business that has, let's say, eight or fewer deposits a month, it shows a very small number of clients. That's risky. The next thing, when you're looking at it, are you constantly, are you growing? Meaning is the revenue going up over time? Okay. And when anyone applies with us, we do a, a strategy session and a review. Is there, is the income increasing? Is it decreasing or is it all over the map? Meaning one month it's 20,000 and next month it's a hundred thousand, right? If you have those wide variances, 
it's a little bit harder to pinpoint what the true numbers of the business look like. All right. Ideally, Jonathan, let me ask you a question. What if you have a business that might be seasonal or something like that? Because I work a lot in agriculture, right, where you might have your harvesting season might be one or Mm -hmm. two a year. So there are large swaths of time when you don't have any revenues, you don't have that much activity going on. So depending on the type of business. So let's say if one month you have 20,000, another month it goes up to 100 and then it's back down to, you know, 30 or whatever. Could you not take an average of that to sort of like average it out to get a sense of what it is? You can. It, it, again, it would depend on what program, right? So I'll give you an example. Let's say you have a very seasonal business that their high season is the summer, okay? Well, if you are applying for a line of credit to, in the winter and you're just coming out of your worst months, they're going to look at the last six months of banks and and all they're going to see is low months. So you're not going to get approved for as high as you would if you just approved, if you applied coming out of your busy season. Okay? So there are ways to make it work for you. Um, on the flip side, if you go in for SBA or equipment, that's largely irrelevant. And if you also, if you show a full 12 months of business bank statements and they can see a pattern, that can help explain those differences because there's some businesses like you mentioned that can't control that. One of the other things too, and I see this a lot, you want to keep good bank balances and not have any negative. So my suggestion, especially when it comes to if you want to finance a piece of equipment, you want to try to keep at least 10% of the monthly revenue in the bank at all times. That means if you're doing $100,000 a month, keep 10000 in the bank. If you do it in 50, keep 5,000 in the bank. Why? That shows that, you know, the business can handle, you know, a, a new monthly payment. Whereas the guy that's doing $100,000 a month and only keeping 1,000 in there a day, it looks like he could go negative at any point, And it looks like he might not be able to afford a payment. So if that guy wants to get, let's say, a $70,000 piece of equipment, uh, that might be a little bit tougher. Right, depending on what his comparable debt is, what his credit is, what the kind of business is. There's a lot of different factors. What we're going over now is the major factors that are gonna be considered. When you get past okay. when you get past cash flow, they want to see what industry and how the profit profits are. So what does that mean? Profitability does matter when you're going for finance, right? Both equipment financing, SPA, and traditional loans. Uh, a rule of thumb is for every forty five thousand dollars in profit. You can qualify for 350000 over 10 years through the SBA as long as you have the credit and a time in business. So you want to be able to claim a profit that will help you get access to financing for growth. And also, if you ever go to sell that business, the more profitable profits you can show, the more valuable that business is. No, absolutely. You also talk about how to be able to cut costs that can increase increase profit margins. I don't know if you want to talk about that now or later. I'm happy to discuss that. So a lot of people use what I would call easy, easy payment processing option. Square, Stripe, PayPal. Right? Why Why are they so popular? Because they're very easy to use. My suggestion is if you are a business that is doing over $10,000 a month in revenue, 
you should be working with a third party. That's my opinion. The reason I say that is because those companies can hold your funds for 180 days and they are more expensive. So how do you cut costs? Well, there's a bunch of different programs on payment processing. One is called cash discount. And what that does is it transfers the fees from the business owner to the client, right? And essentially, think about it this way. Why does everyone use a credit card? One, it's easier. Two, people don't carry cash. And three, they want the points. Well, I know I pay for everything on a credit card. But there's a cost. Typically, that cost is 3% or more when you're accepting credit cards. All, we, all the cash discount does is it increases the price to cover those fees. All right. And it passes them from the business owner to the consumer. Okay. Or if you're not, if you don't want to do that, if you go with a third party, the third party has individually based pricing. It's not a blanket, right? So basically, you can qualify for cheaper processing rates through a third party as opposed to a square or a stripe that just charges, for the most part, only has a couple tiers. So it's very important that as you're growing a business, you want to make sure you want to check your financials often, see where you can cut costs, and see where you can increase revenue. That's how you're going to profitability. That's one of the ones that a lot of business owners just don't think about because they're used to having the status quo. Yeah. Jonathan, would you mind mentioning again the options, the very the different options to processing through Square and PayPal and those that business owners can pursue to reduce their costs? Of course. We're partnered with five different companies, right? Whether it's Payrock, Evo, rate tracker. One of the things that we do in our strategy session and review is get them a proposal. They don't ask for it, but when we show them, hey, you could save $20,000 a year, you could save $30,000 a year, they want to set up a call. And in addition to getting financing, now they're looking into this and reviewing not only their equipment, but their rates to make their business run more efficient. I'm speaking with Jonathan Federa, founder of Integrated Business Financing, a small business lending marketplace specializing in getting businesses into the best financing programs they qualify. That leads me to my next question. What should someone do before applying for financing? You did allude to some of this. Make sure you get your credit in order, have your business email, have your business account, all of those things. Is there anything else that they need to do? Absolutely. That's an amazing question. So. A lot of people apply for money without knowing what to do with it. First off, the, first, the best time to apply for any type of financing is when you don't need it. Because if you get to a point where you absolutely need it, it you're not going to be able to get the same terms. And what do I mean by Jonathan, that? Jonathan, I want you to say that again. The best time to apply for financing is when? Is when you don't need it. And why is that? Well, because your credit's probably the strongest, your income's probably the highest. And you're going to be in a much better position when you're when you go through underwriting, as opposed to, hey, I've had three bad months. I really need money to keep the doors open. Okay, and so what I suggest is every single business out there should have access to a line. Every client that comes to our doors, if they if we want to get them a line of credit in addition to what they're asking, 
And if they can't get a line of credit, we're going to show them what's wrong. And then we put them in a position to work with people that can help them fix the challenge, whether it's credit, uh, income, or uh, just keeping more in the bank, right? We work off education. When you have a business owner that is educated and knows the steps that they need to take to get to that next level, okay, you're dealing with somebody that is dangerous. Why do we do this? Because this country runs off the back of small businesses. The stronger small businesses are, the stronger our country is, all right? So before you go in to finance and to get financing for anything, you should know where your credit is. You should know what you, how much you're looking for, and you should have an idea of how it's going to impact your business. And you should understand the program that is best suited for that. So I'll give you a couple of examples because a lot of entrepreneurs miss the point of this. If you need equipment, you should use equipment finance. Okay, why? Because you want to pay for something over the lifespan of its use. So equipment finance is typically three to six years. You want to pay for that over those three to six years. You are looking to do startup finance. A term loan is three to five years. Okay, that makes sense because that's going to be your ramp up period in the business. SBA loan is 10 years. What's an SBA loan used for? Well, it should be used to consolidate that. To buy a business, to buy a building. A line of credit. Lines of credit are shorter term. They're 6, 12, 18, 24 months. What do you use a line of credit for? Well, one, quick opportunities where you need cash. Two, emergencies. And three, any type of short-term capital needs. What do I mean by that? Well, adding to your staff, marketing, supplies, inventory. You have You essentially need to do that every single month. So with a line of credit, it makes sense to draw on the line of credit, utilize the funds for growth. As growth comes in, pay it off. Rinse and repeat. If you are a B2B business, meaning business to business or business to government, and you are net 15, net 30, or net 45, meaning you provide a good or service, you sell something or you complete your service, and then you invoice your client, and you have to wait 15 to 45 days to get paid. The biggest mistake I see in that realm is every single business like that wants a line of credit. A line of credit isn't going to fix that problem. That is a mechanical problem in your business structure that you, is, you can't fix with a line of credit. So what fixes that? Invoice factoring. Invoice factoring is simple. It's underwritten off of your client's business credit. What it does is, let's say you have a $100,000 invoice. You just did a job for $100,000, and now you invoice them, and you're waiting 30 days. Well, the challenge is this. Let's just say that there's 30% profit margins in that job, and now you have five other, five other jobs lined up. That means you laid out essentially $70,000, and you have to wait. 30 days to get paid. So as you're bringing on more clients like this, your cash flow goes basically to zero and you can't operate. Well, if you factor that invoice, basically sell that invoice today, you can get anywhere from 85 to 90% of that invoice today. The rest is held in a reserve. So in this example, let's say it's a, they get 90% of that invoice paid today. You get $90,000, $10,000 is held in reserve. And then when your client pays our factor, 
the reserve is released, that 10,000 is released minus the fee of the factor. That factor usually charges 1 to 4% for 30 days. So let's just say it's 2%. It costs you $2,000 to accelerate your cash flow 30 days. Now you were able to take on, instead of three other jobs for the month, six other jobs for the month. So you, you are dramatically increasing your business revenue without decreasing or your cash flow. Okay, and that solves the mechanical challenge that those businesses have. After that's set up, then you can then we can help you get a line of credit. But until that's fixed, all you would do is eventually max out that line of credit and be stuck in the same position. Right? The, the example I always give is you can't build a house with just a hammer. Right? Or you can't build a business with just a loan. There's a lot of different programs out there, and based on your qualifications and what you are trying to accomplish, that is what should determine what program. Jonathan, you've said a whole lot to process. So as we get ready to wrap up, tell me where listeners can learn more from you. You seem very informed and have a lot of valuable information that small business owners, early entrepreneurs can learn from where do they find you thank you easiest the two easiest places our youtube channel which is just look up integrated business financing on youtube and subscribe and then if you want coaching right so we have a coaching program for entrepreneurs of all shapes and sizes and experience like it's you go on our website integratedbusinessfinancing.com and go to business coaching. You can sign up through there. And I have a panel of experts experts and vetted resources that provide discounts because you're in that group. And you get, I think, six group calls a month. And we go over all of everything from business credit, personal credit, growth strategies, financing, accounting, marketing and branding, everything that a entrepreneur actually needs to grow their business is in that group. Sounds good. Before we wrap up, let's just do a quick recap of like, say, maybe the top five biggest mistakes that small business owners make so that we can leave it in their minds so that they can mull over it and not make those mistakes. I love it. One, if you're doing over $10,000 a month, you should be using a third-party processing company. If you need help, I'm happy to help you. Two, not monitoring their business and personal credit and actively building their business credit. Three, not maintaining proper business bank accounts. I don't care if, you use a personal, if you're using a personal account, you need to switch to a business bank account. You need to maintain them the proper way. Four, waiting too late to apply for finance. And then five, not going to the right places to get your finances. A bank can be a hassle, and they usually don't have the scope of programs. A broker will probably get you into the wrong program or be you to death. You need to work with experts that care about your business, and you have to be able to come to them with a plan. Have your documents ready, say this is what I need, this is what I'm using it for, and then let them guide you. Jonathan, thank you for that. And thank you for stopping by the WTF podcast. 
to my listeners, I hope that when you listen to this episode, you enjoy it. And if you do, don't keep good content to yourself. Make sure you rate, review, and share this episode with others who need to hear it. And make sure that you're tuning in to the WTF podcast on its home on the Alive Podcast Network. And make sure that you are subscribed, have notifications turned on, and you are streaming on all available podcast streaming networks. Kindly tune in either on Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcast, and make sure that you're following the podcast on Instagram at where's the funding underscore podcast, on LinkedIn on the podcast page, and follow me on LinkedIn at Michelle J. McKenzie. See you next week for another episode of the WTF Podcast. <laughs>